Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey, now everybody, welcome to a special episode of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. I'm going to over to Jason Rugard. He has, well, they don't have a rundown again. I always want to say that now. I'm so used to recording regular episodes. But this is a special episode. It is. It's very special because it's the end of the prequels. We've made it for through the first three Star Wars films, or um, the second three, depending on how you look at it from a release order. But we got through mm-hmm. 2005's Revenge of the Sith, which actually came out 15 years to the day of when we're recording this. So a decade and a half later, I haven't seen this once in that intervening 15 years, but I'm kind of glad I went <laughs> back and looked at this. Uh, I think that this is clearly the high point of the prequels. I really, uh, maybe I enjoyed this actually more than I, I normally would have because the first two were such a slog to get through that this one um, was really a good time. I, I kind of like going back and looking at this one. Yeah, I didn't see much difference. I had to be honest. And I thought that this one falls a little flatter than I remember it. Um, maybe seeing it in a theater would fix that issue i'm not sure i i just remember especially when when you know when the, the betrayal happens and i remember the music being a little bit i don't know more emotional i guess or i just remember that moment being more like oh like the jedi are falling and stuff and and, and in this i just eh. so where are you placing them as we sit the first three episodes one through three in, 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 in order. In best order? Best to worst out of the three. Um, You know, I mean, honestly, they're all, they have their own problems, so I don't know. This is, I would say, the best one, only in the sense that it's the entire point of the first three. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The second one, it, both the first and the second one are almost pointless. They almost don't need to be told. Exactly. You know, so I don't know... I don't know what you do with that, with these prequels. Don't you, you know? think that the problem ultimately is, I rank this obviously as the best of the prequels, which I think everybody sure. does. And in total agreement with you that the first two are virtually pointless. And a lot of that could have been set up with some exposition here, or maybe could have been combined into one previous film. Um, but don't you think that the the war itself is more interesting than the buildup to the things that led to war. Do you know what I mean? A good war movie is always better than the the general strategizing and the... I guess. I didn't even really clearly like the war movie here, though. I mean, this isn't even hardly a war movie, right? We're dropped into the middle. The war kind of feels like it happened in between two and three, and here we are at the end, and again, we're going to focus on Anakin Skywalker, who eventually becomes Darth Vader. A better way to handle this would have been uh, have him as an adult, in the first movie, have him meet, uh, you know, his wife. If you still want to keep it uh, as a, whatever her name is. Padme. What the hell is her? Padme, yeah. Or whatever. But I mean, when she's queen or whatever. Amidala. Have her be an adult uh, and him be an adult, not a kid. Meet, you know, do whatever they need to do. Have the kids or whatever in the uh, in the first one. And then have him slowly throughout this turn into Darth Vader. It's, it is a bit abrupt. No, it would in make this more movie. sense. It would be better. Yeah. Instead of trying to slam it all into the end of one of these movies. I think you know? that this movie does a fairly good job, though, at hitting 
the expected points with some sort of pizzazz. I think that the first two felt like they were going through plot points that were uh, perfunctory and, and, you know, they had to get them out of the way. Whereas this one, they, they hit some spots and you're like, okay, it's working here. There are moments in this movie that absolutely work. And there's other parts that are uh-huh. are reminiscent of the falterings of the previous two as well. Um, I think that visually, this is the most splendid of the first three in that the landscapes are the most interesting. Uh, the special effects had advanced a long way from just 99 well, to 2005. I like the opening action sequence, the car Great. chase stuff. I thought that was really good. Yeah, the first 30 minutes of this movie is basically a, a chase sequence or one big action set piece. Uh, and, and I don't think, I think the first hour moves pretty well. I think when it gets a little bit tied up is right after Anakin kills Mace Windu, the Samuel L. Jackson character. Uh-huh. And now he is going to be appointed and, and given this Darth Vader title. And now he's Don't expected you? to go dark. And what I didn't understand also is why is Padme so... Uh, she doesn't believe when Obi-Wan tells her later that Anakin's gone to the dark side and killed all these kids. She, he wouldn't do that. No, he did that previously when he killed the I women of the Chan it, with, with the, the sand people. It's bad it just, storytelling. Because I, designed... I don't believe I don't believe Anakin. You know, I don't believe he's uh, worth a damn shit in this either. He's a terrible character. He doesn't really... I mean, this this is probably the weakest that the character has been is in this movie. He just kind of whines so much and goes off on tangents. He's so angry and stuff. And it's weird. I, uh, it's just weird. He just sounds like a teenager. I think that given, like you had said, a couple movies to see this drawn out and not just two. One where he's this whiny boy who doesn't get his way so because he's in love and then the other one he's a whiny adult he doesn't get his way because his boss is mad at him or, or whatever so it's like i don't get i don't get and the he doesn't transition do anything, here right he just doesn't do anything um i don't know i yeah i don't understand the transition either i think the best way to sum it up is uh you know i think it's in the second one i'm getting these all mixed up now but where uh yeah in the second one when he uh revenges his mom's death right and he kills that wipes out right. that entire town or whatever then they don't they go and uh immediately go and uh save obi-wan yeah just so a he, big moment we're like well what are you gonna do we have to go save obi-wan and then he's like okay and he's like a good guy again but we know everything we know the whole story right it's just bad storytelling like we're i, I don't think in any regard i'm not looking at this like oh, well, he's a good guy still, right? I think that was the point of it. And so I agree with you when they keep putting Padme off in this movie to be that voice of the, oh, they're still good at him. And even her last words are that. And it's all to set up, uh, obviously, uh, Return of the Jedi. And it's ridiculous. It's just a ridiculous way to, to, to bring that about. Well, it's backwards and storytelling. unnecessary, actually. You don't like even have to do that. We've said this since we talked about Phantom Menace. You're working from a backwards point as opposed to telling a full story and ending at a logical conclusion, which is, you know, problems with doing prequels and problems with doing a prequel trilogy. So really, you're you're nine steps back from where you really want to be. But mm-hmm. I, I do think that this movie has some impact. I mean, this is the most, quote unquote, Shakespearean, which is just uh, it's hard to call any of this dialogue Shakespearean. But like in the sense that it's very <laughs> operatic. Well, the stories are, though. The stories are very are. are uh, deal with a lot of the, the things that Shakespeare did. They're, yeah, and they're not as poignant as or as poetic as Shakespeare stuff was, obviously. But they do tend to want to, uh, they, or they seem to want to be looked at in that way, don't they? Yeah, a bigger, larger than life, and these these sweeping gestures and and whatnot. And I do think that when Anakin is lying there, 
uh, about to get encased in lava and Obi-Wan doesn't help him. I do think that moment works. And there are some moments like that Mm -hmm. in this movie that do work. But like I said, there's so many others that I didn't remember. I I didn't remember how clunky this movie was, I guess. Uh, And it's, it's far sleeker than the previous two in terms of watching it as a whole. I was able to get through this in one sitting and not have to break it up and come back to it. I mean, the second one was, I had to break that down into like 40 minute chunks. But this one um, really has a momentum that it, it takes on of its own and it's it's going somewhere. But I, 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 I think the darkness in this movie and the fact that like Anakin, they have to give him something to be evil, right? He's really not evil. Even when he kills Mace Windu, he's he whiny. can say... He's whiny. The only time he's truly well, evil know. is when he is when he kills the kids, right? The no, younglings. he's evil plenty of times. I mean, and and plenty of times before this. Obviously, I just gave you an example from the well, yeah, movie the, before. Um, he's evil all the time. He just is. He just doesn't care. So he's still he's he's like a psychopath in a way. Like it just he doesn't it doesn't seem like he really thinks there's anything wrong <laughs> with the things that he's done, you know, but he still has friends. He still, he still has he still has feelings and stuff, you know. Uh for the people he still like uh wants to hang out and like, you know. But the, immediately once he once he thinks that uh someone's in his way, you know, Obi-Wan at the end of the movie, he, uh he's done. He's over it. You know, he's no longer friends with him. Kill we him. touched upon care. this. It's weird. On the last podcast, we said about episode two, Master Yoda is supposed to be this indomitable force, right? He gets owned again. He gets owned again here by somebody. I didn't even know Palpentine knew how to use a lightsaber. Is this a new development? Is there any other time that he used a lightsaber before or after? No, but he would have to know, right? Being a Darth. Yeah, being uh, from where he came up and everything. And his whole spiel about how, or his whole sell to Anakin on 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 the dark side, right? That he was the apprentice of someone else, so he would at some point have been younger. Okay, so that that's at least justified. Um, and here. he looks terrible, but and he doesn't look uh, well. You know, in, in the battle with Mace, that's when he looks he turns himself into. I don't, I don't even he know gets, why he gets that happens. In but scarred. he like yeah, like it's melted his face and shit, and so he looks terrible. He looks like he couldn't do. He looks like an old man basically, but he really isn't uh, as old as he looks, even though he's not young. There is a part in this movie that I absolutely cracked up, and it's a little throwaway moment when Yoda and Palpatine are fighting, and Yoda escapes into the air ducts, and he's crawling (laughs) through. And I thought, what kind of diehard fucking moment is this? And then he pulls out his little transponder. I thought he was going to say, come out to the coast. We'll have a few less. I mean, it was such a weird moment in there. I did not recall. And the movie is spectacular in the special effects like we said but from a storytelling point of view it doesn't need a lot of what happens in this sending obi-wan to the planet where uh viceroy and all these people have have set up this ambush that's mm-hmm. totally unnecessary like they just need to get obi-wan once again well, away from anakin yeah so just like they did in part two so that anakin can have this i mean for being master and apprentice they don't spend well, and, a whole and, lot of time and together so obi-wan can escape and they don't realize it yeah okay so all once again plot devices push them back together i know it's not it's, it's as much as you can say this is the best of the prequels it's still just not a solid like these are so easy to just tear apart um even though whether or not they're enjoyable or not, maybe a, a separate discussion. But as far as story and structure and, and like these being good storytelling, they're just clearly not. 
Yeah, on, on a lot of levels here. And I do think, though, on a filmmaking side, with shots and compositions and this advances in CGI, I think Lucas finally was getting his touch back in a sense. You know, they, they call it like yeah. ring rust for boxers and fighters. I think he had a little bit of ring rust, not making a movie for a long time, and was so enamored with the technological side. I just wonder if he had been a producer on these, like he did after Star Wars A New Hope, and produced Empire in Return, and let somebody else come in to direct them under his... They probably would have uh, been better. They might have been at least... But they still would have suffered from the story sides. But they yeah. would have been... Yeah, they would have been more interesting to watch, probably. I think he's really stale in his uh, camera movements and shot selections and stuff. Um, and sometimes it works. I think in this one it works a little bit more. There's more to look at. The environments are a little bit more vibrant. Yes. So it pays off, especially if you think about the ending with the the, the lava, lava planet, planet, as you said. Yeah. Just it doesn't matter that the that the shots are just there to capture what's going on because th- what's going on looks really cool. Yeah, that in which is a lot of this movie looks really cool. Even the Wookiee planet, I like the the landscapes there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of a lot of cool. I liked seeing a lot of those callbacks, but as I watch it, I'm just realize i mean they called force awakening nostalgia porn right playing on this this love we had for sure but these prequels did that just as much if not more than the force awakenings i mean there's callbacks i would disagree with that really yeah because you don't think by having force awakens feels like uh, well and these feel that way too but i don't think these are these are worse or uh, i mean force awakens is far worse i would disagree with you I think The Force Awakens on a stand. Coming out of The Force Awakens, I I had a buzz of like, okay, I'm curious now to see where these go. I never had that buzz until the end of this one when I felt, you know, they, they, they wrapped it up. Right, that's fine. You let, but that you just makes the it a better in. movie, and you're right about that. But that doesn't make it less uh, less of a Nostalgia fan film, form. you know. And that's exactly what it is. I still think that there's a, too many callbacks to the originals in this. With with Chewie, there's no reason to have Chewie even I be agree. a part of this situation. Um, you, you got but that's organ- relatively harmless. It's a passing thing. I mean, uh, the the. <laughs> You know, Force Awakens, it's not passive. Look, it's, wait, it's actively in your face. This is a Star Wars movie. Can you believe we're making it? Another Star Wars movie. Can you believe it? We're doing it. This is it. I, Star okay, Wars I is so cool. I can't <laughs> totally disagree with that. I cannot totally disagree with that. But I'll say that there's more callbacks in those because it's happening after the events of the movies that we oh, all granted. love as opposed yeah. to before. And I feel but like this, them trying to shoehorn people into this one felt uh, disingenuous. In it's a lot fair of enough to say. I think the, the problem or why that happens is because we have a decade between these, if not more, right? I think what two decades almost by the time that uh, Force Awakenings came out. Damn near two yeah. decades. Yeah, well, I years. mean, not, not from this, though. What I mean is that you had the original uh, trilogy come out and then I guess two, a 16 really two year decades absence. almost 16 yeah, for, years, for yeah. the prequels and then another decade almost for the for the other one. So there's such a time, uh, I don't know, space, I guess, in there. there. There's so much time where you didn't have any Star Wars movies that it is kind of I think they want to throw those throwbacks in there. Makes I think them want the to more. Revenge of the Sith works primarily because we know going in how the story ends and i cannot think of another f- a movie that everybody was so excited to see 
knowing how it was going to end, but trying to figure out how Lucas was going to navigate. And I think a lot of people went into this movie uh, with a kind of blasé attitude from the first two. And I think that actually benefits this movie. I know I did. My lo- my expectations for this were so low after Attack of the Clones <laughs> that during, you know, by the time that that first opening uh, chase sequence in yeah. the previous and the whole thing ended, I was all in. I, I thought like, this is great. And then the way they I were mean, handling that is true. things. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, so it's like, whereas uh, I think maybe the opposite happened for me in the newer series going back to that, where after mm-hmm. Force Awakenings, I was all ramped up to where they're going now with Luke and whatnot, and then we're going to talk about yeah, Last Jedi, obviously, that it kind that of almost, de-escalated That it. almost happens as well with episode one going into episode two, though, you know? I think the only the only place that doesn't happen would be episode five, right? Yeah, which is, so, but, I mean, maybe the yeah. best one in hindsight. Um, although I can't wait to go back. I can't wait now to get into the real, the, the, the Star Wars that we know, the, the holy trilogy, if you yeah. will, you know, the, where we know every single scene and character and things are set up on such I a mean, way. At this that point, all... at this point, I'm up to four. Yeah. See, I, I, so you're one ahead of me right now. So you I'll haven't have, seen four yet? Yeah. I have not rewatched. I mean, I've obviously, I've I seen won't it say anything. I'll wait till times, next but... episode, but just, I mean, yeah. Help it's me like, oh, figure something out though. I need your uh, advice here. Now, I have, as you will as you, I'm sure, Star Wars on multiple different media. I have uh-huh. the Disney Plus version, which I'm sure is the one you watch, right? Nice and clean? Yeah, that's the one that I'm watching. Okay, I have the 1997 special edition Laserdisc releases, as uh-huh. well as, is it the 2004 DVD releases that came right. out? There was a, a box set there. But then I kind of want to go back because I have the original VHS, CBS, Fox 3, uncut. The original videotapes that have no alterations to them whatsoever. And I kind of want to watch it Isn't on the, videotape. Uh, um, I no, don't, do I want to say that those are on those DVDs? I think... Oh, uh, you know what I mean. There uh, was a DVD right. release that had, that had them as the original, but they are not the greatest quality. I think, well, I believe they are from those VHS transfers. So yeah, they're, which they're those, had... those quality. I don't yeah. know. Now I can't remember if those are actually those or if they are just something. Uh, how many times has this thing been updated? <laughs> More maybe the than DVDs any other came movie. out. You're right, in about 2004, something like that. So how many and then times? Then there was have a Blu-ray release in about 2011. Yeah, but I didn't have the Blu-rays, but I did get a hold Me of those neither. DVDs, and I believe those DVDs have on them those that VHS version. I'm going to have to look into that, but I, I'm very interested. Now, answer me this. Is it is it worth watching on Disney Plus because they clean it up so much? I mean, did it look good? Because these yeah, last three really have spoiled good. me. Okay, yeah. It so. does look really good. Maybe I'll just I mean, watch I have the no new clean up version. It. It's ridiculous stuff. I'm mean, agreeable. Yeah. Obviously, the, you know, the argument with, when Han Solo meets Jabba the Hutt and it is like, yeah, it looks yeah, terrible. Shot I don't first. know why the fuck you wouldn't clean that shit up, but all right. Uh, yeah. yeah, it looks terrible, but it's, yeah. And who shot first? Eh, I mean, whatever. It plays out uh, just fine. I, I don't think it really makes that big of a difference. Ultimately. I'm curious, though, no. to go back and look at these, because I've been looking at these VHSs and going, I'd love to run these again, but I'm afraid they're going to snap. They're so old. I mean, these are their very first runs, <laughs> gonna, all of yeah, these. You're going to get eaten? The original CBS Fox video box, you know, that has the white background and, you know, like uh-huh. the full poster on the front. Just just gorgeous. Just gorgeous here. A little gray thing on the bottom. Yeah, I mean, those would be really old at that point. Yeah, these are, those I think, would like, be the 80s. Releases. 
Yeah, mid-80s, I think. Mid-80s, yeah. I think. It's funny how I grew up thinking that Return was my favorite. Well, I remember. And I, I wonder now, mm-hmm. as we enter the aspect of the, this first three, if uh, it remains my favorite. Because as I grew into an adult... <laughs> It turned into Empire because it was the darkest one and kind of the most uh, edgy. Oh, the most happens in Empire. I mean, the most interesting parts happen in Empire. That's from which, once again, soiled me so much on Attack of the Clones. All of Star Wars, like all of it, hinged on Episode Five for so long. Even these these prequels came out. the The newer ones kind of go against that. Uh, Just in the in the in the case. And I guess in the way, this is what happens when you wait so long to make a damn movies again for this stuff. But the people are so old, they just get rid of them, kill them off, so it doesn't matter. But uh, admittedly, episode five is, and it's right smack dab in the middle, but it is, it's it, right? That's Star Wars. Yeah, that's what I consider to be the the ultimate Star Wars movie. Uh, like I said, so I'm curious to see how A New Hope yeah. plays for me. I, I am glad we went back and we, we looked at these prequels in the order that they were released because I wanted I never have seen them like this with a big enough gap in between movies to where I, I just wanted to see how they played out. Didn't have a full recollection of them. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're still as impressive and unimpressive as I remembered. Everything holds up that I thought in the sense that like they're great to look at at times, but they are hard to listen to. And you brought up on the last podcast, Lucas never writes good dialogue. Um, his co-writer on these last two, I think it was Jonathan Hales, um, who had worked on a lot of films, including his Young Indiana Jones series. And they just don't crack the nut in a lot of ways with the story. And I think that this was one of the first times I can recall where these these big blockbuster movies, these big uh, audience pleasers were pushing it into the 220 category as, a fo- as opposed to like running time. Right. You know, the, the sveltness of things was going away, that it was bigger and more, give them more. I know Lord of the Rings had come out previously and been like three hours long, which I think I always felt after that happened, you know, Phantom Menace comes out and then Lord of the Rings comes out and just gets all this Oscar nominations and it's critical and commercial success. And I always felt that Lucas was working towards that, that he felt that that should have been bestowed on mm-hmm. these movies. And the artistry in both these I mean, technically is there, but like the creativeness of, of what Peter Jackson was able to get on screen versus what Lucas was able to get on screen in these is, is, is mm-hmm. vast difference, I think. And I'm not the biggest Lord yeah. of the Rings fan at all. I, it, it is weird. I don't know. You, you watch. Uh, I mean, those, it, I, I do think Jackson in, in some ways surpassed Lucas, not only with Lord of the Rings stuff, but even if you compare this episode three with King Kong, which came out same year, um, same year. I think the King Kong special effects are superior. The King Kong's you know, a good and the movie. storytelling is superior as well. Yeah, yeah. So he kind of uh, he kind of uh, surpassed Lucas in a way, but and then just as Lucas, you know, stumbled on his own. So uh, I don't. All these guys, James Cameron. You know, you could compare Lucas to a lot of them uh, who have come out and made these huge movies, and then have either kind of just disappeared or or stumbled here and there, and it's. It's weird that, that the big guys wouldn't be able to, to last. You know, Spielberg, I would say, is the only one who's been fairly consistent. He's had some stuff that didn't work, but he's been able to come back. 
He's been the most prolific at all those guys you just uh, mentioned. Well, as well, Cameron yeah. Jackson, all those guys. And those guys take years, if not decades, to get a movie into production and make it and then release it and, and whatnot. And they're massive And ultimately, that had to be what... I mean, this prequel stuff had to play a major role into Lucas selling off, right? Well, two two points Wars. I want to make here. One, have you seen Peter Jackson's The Frighteners re- recently? No. It's on HBO Not recently, Go. No. I watched it recently. It's all cleaned up on there. It looks great. Mm. Uh, wasn't as good as I recalled. I didn't love it as much as I yeah, recalled. Yeah, I remember that when it. I revisited that a while ago. Yeah, it, it really kind of labored itself in the last act. I, I mean, I love Jeffrey Combs' odd police inspector in that movie and the ghosts and the special effects and the that Peter Dobson's character. You, know, you, so, you got to watch those on VHS sometimes. Yeah, really, full screen, I think, would have done the trick. But two, my second point is when I was a kid, as you were, we grew up in the era where Lucas and Spielberg were these movie making legends that everything they touched would turn to gold in the Midas touch men in a lot of ways. And Spielberg has maintained that in a lot of ways uh, because he is still making hits and he's still getting critical acclaim. But Lucas's reputation took a huge hit because of these prequels. Do you think he would have been better off never making these prequels? If we never got these prequels and we just had Force Awakenings, Last Jedi, and now this Rise of Skywalker, if his his reputation as this great Star Wars, I mean, you know how people like clamor for the Snyder cut of Justice League, which I guarantee is gonna be dog shit. I too. don't know. Yeah, but see. I wonder if people like would have clamored for that, like the the urban legend of oh, well, if Lucas had made his prequels, those were the great Star Wars movies that we were denied. You know, where, where do you sit on that argument? I don't think it matters. I mean, if he hadn't have made these, then how would you have known him? Well, you know, this at least introduce of... him to a whole new group of people. If anything, this sells the originals. So, I, I mean, I, re- I would have wished, what, what I would have wanted, and I think what most people would have wanted, is in the 90s we got in, uh, you know, 7, 8, and 9. Right? And yeah, under Lucas. Still- that would have made a hell of a lot more sense to have done that than, uh, than how things... Uh, uh, unraveled i guess so to speak you know i i wish that that he had uh done that and he didn't even have to direct any of this stuff he didn't have to direct these as, as you said he didn't have to right one of the reasons he says he sold it off is he didn't want to do this stuff anymore but he doesn't really have to he's the guy that's in control he's got all the money you can just be what? like here's my outline this is what i would like to have happen make it happen i don't understand what the problem it, what, is what's odd to do me the least is- amount of work and accept like accept no responsibility for it so he can get all the praise and he can just say if there's a problem with it he's got plenty of other people to blame i don't get it i don't have a problem with disney owning this property at all to me, under Lucas, Star Wars was like a guy who owned a beautiful Ferrari and kept it in the garage and kept saying, exactly. I'm going to take this fucker out one day. You just wait until the right weather and the right racetrack. I'm going to take this out. And never did. And, and Disney got a hold of it and is doing donuts on the fucking streets with the goddamn thing. I mean, they are putting out all the television series that he claimed trying, he was going to do. Yeah. I mean, uh, comics, uh, the, the animated stuff, uh, the video games. I mean, they, they had some stuff under LucasArts and licensed games and stuff and and, and comics, but it was never to the level that we have now. I mean, uh, it might be overkill, but once again, Star Wars has endured. We are still talking about this because generations keep picking it up, and it's not the same shit that we picked up. It's not the New Hope to Return of the Jedi. It's maybe the Clone Wars or Rebels or mm-hmm. whatever it is that gets them into it, and they find this world. Like, I know a kid who's 15, 15-year-old boy, who loves Sith. 
thinks it's the best Star Wars movie because he's an angry teenager and he really can relate to that Anakin character. Do you know what I mean? Right. And, and the kind of so there's there's different things, and the reason these things live on, I think. I, I think it's because they touch kids at different ages and it's the Star Wars you grew up with. We grew up with these. His generation grew up with those. This new generation will grow up with this new stuff and whatever Disney's doing with them. And um, I mean, there's little kids that love Ray that think that that's the best character that's ever been in a Star Wars mm-hmm. universe. It's so, you know, it's it's who are we to say what's what Star Wars is and what Star Wars isn't anymore? It just seems to be about as well, American as Apple Pie. I mean, with my money. Yeah, no, I agree. That's, that's I, who I am, you know. And do, do you know what is what is very apparent to me that I realized uh, around Last Jedi, fully realized Skywalker, this this last Skywalker, and now has uh, come to come to grips mm-hmm. with during watching these three is that I've just outgrown this shit, and I hate to say it like that, but uh, I'm way more interested in seeing a Marvel movie right now than I am another Star Wars film or anything related to that, that universe. I just feel mm-hmm. like. I've explored that universe to the nth degree with all the things and books I've read over the I years the and, movies, and stuff. But I think if the movies were better, that would be a different story. You know, maybe, maybe. I, I mean, maybe. I don't know that we should con- should compare anything to Marvel at this point. It's almost an unfair comparison. That's true. That is <laughs> true. It? Just because they're under the I same mean, house, how many is not how fair. many bad Star Wars movies have there been? Seriously, like almost all of them. You know, I'm talking uh, about recently, recently. And yes, yeah. it's true. There's been nothing but complaints, right? Nothing but complaints. Um, and, and there's some that are enjoyable and, and that's fine. Um, but for the most part, I mean, why have none, why is none of it taken off? Because they're not that good. Well, I think so it's we also... Need, we need you... something better. I don't think they have a direction, you know, or they haven't found one yet. But I think they could. I'm glad that we're done with the Skywalker stuff, though. I'm glad that we're done with with the overall uh, overreaching storyline and the arc here. And some things do measure up in Sith that I did like. I want to get to one thing specifically. A lot of people had a problem that Obi-Wan let Anakin burn and cut him in half and let him burn. Oh, by that time, aren't you like, fuck that, yeah. Right, (laughs) the the, the Jedi wouldn't do that. A their callbacks to samurais I, I thought that was totally in keeping with the honor of a samurai mm-hmm. and two it makes sense then why Obi-Wan would go into exile for so long until Luke finds him in A New Hope do you know what I mean mm-hmm. he had to kill his so I, I never had a problem with with the him trying to kill him or not helping him uh, when he thought certain death was on the horizon did you have a problem with that at all ever? no I felt it was warranted at that point I, I, I at that point, Anakin is unsavable, and he's throughout the entire fight. It's kind of felt like Obi Wan was was would have if Anakin would have stopped and changed or done anything else, he would have been like, okay, like there's something like we can somehow move past this. But throughout that entire meeting of when that when the spaceship first landed, uh, Anakin did nothing but show Obi Wan right that he's irredeemable, and for all the bad yeah. shit that he's done. Uh, even before that, you know, throughout his entire ad- adult life, like Anakin, he's not, you can't help him. You can't save him, you know? And that is because he's crazy. Like I said, he's a psychopath. Um, and you can just look at how Palpatine turns him to the dark side. It's insane, right? Would that turn anyone? No. I mean, do you to, believe to that some, moment in that no, movie? It's so, it's so weird. I do like the environment they're at, the opera house there, when they have that moment. I think uh, mm-hmm. the actors, Ian, 
I can't think of his name right now, but the guy who plays Palpatine, he sells the shit out of that. Ian Diamond, I believe his name is. Yeah, he yes. sells the shit out of that line when he looks over to him and says, not from a Jedi. I mean, that's a great moment. And you think like, those are the kind of quote unquote Shakespearean operatic moments. But you texted me after you watched this and you said, man, you can really see these things are space operas. And they really are. They're soap operas in space. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're base level emotion. And I think that they're, Almost the kind of movie you don't have to really pay attention to, but the visuals are so great, it makes you want to pay attention to. But if you were in another room just listening to it, you could totally get the whole fucking thing here because you've seen this movie. You've seen it plenty of times in other <laughs> forms, and they just put it onto a, a spaceship, and we're supposed to be wowed by it and think it's this, the greatest love that's ever lived. And uh, it doesn't help that... that uh, what's, the, what's her name? Portman and uh, Hayden Christen still have no chemistry. In this movie, they still and, and you're but gonna tell me their Obi-Wan, fault. <laughs> Yoda's supposed to be the most powerful person. We talked about him getting his ass kicked two movies in a row. He's oh, yeah. the most powerful fucking person. Well, I out didn't there, even right? understand why he but gave they, up in this. It seemed like they fought and they does, fought and they both took as well as they gave, and then suddenly Yoda just gave up. Isn't that how okay, well, the, the emperor, fight played out? The emperor says to Yoda, "My Padawan is out. My apprentice is out there, and he's more powerful than both of us." Well, Obi Wan just whipped his ass. So wouldn't that make Obi Wan the the most powerful <laughs> person in the whole fucking land? <laughs> Did Obi Wan get get lucky or something? And that's what I don't understand. Well, I do understand how Obi Wan was able to defeat him. Right? He baited him. Yeah, and he was off balance. To be able and he to, used uh, his, you know. Classic old bull, young bull story there. Yeah, I mean. yeah, 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 yeah. So we, so we get understand that. Like he was able to do that, but you're right. It do, like Obi Wan is like throughout this entire uh, storyline is just one of the most inept Jedi's that you'll ever see. <laughs> he but yeah, he's barely the most Jedi. I kept thinking as I watched this, uh, and, and finally in this third one, I think Ewan McGregor was really comfortable in the role because he seems really mm-hmm. honed in on his character in this. Like, doesn't get a lot to do, isn't given a lot to say, but I, I find him to be the most interesting person on screen whenever he's on screen in this movie. But I kept thinking as I watched these three movies too, like, why didn't they just show this from Obi-Wan's point of view? Wouldn't it have been very interesting? He loses his master. He gains this child-like person yeah, that, that he's going to train in, now. That would have played into episode four a lot better. It, it, I just think that, like, it, yeah, exactly. Because it, I, I kept thinking they put the focus on the wrong person. We knew how Anakin was going to behave because it was preordained. We didn't know how Obi-Wan was going to take it. But instead, they keep pushing him off out of the frame so that they could have this young adult love story like you had said in the last one, the last podcast, to be the center focus and it just falls flat over and over and over again. And the, in, in to, to, to me, the nostalgia porn comes in at the very end when we're mm-hmm. getting the Darth Vader moments and that kind of shit because they're still cool here. I mean, I'm watching that and I'm like, fuck, this is why everyone loved Rogue One was because of that last five minutes with Darth Vader. I yeah. mean, we love <laughs> that character. People just go ape shit for the look and the sound That's and all I'm of saying. it. That's what I'm saying. They should have done resonates. that. That should have been a slower uh, build to that, or not a build, but a slower change, right? And, the, and that change should have started earlier. It should have started in, in episode one, really. And we should have been to finalize it in episode three. And it doesn't him turning into Darth Vader should have been him turning to the dark side. Right. It shouldn't have been one moment where some guy just offhandedly is like, oh, you know, uh, your wife's going to die because you're fucking crazy and you believe that shit for some reason. Keep having these crazy dreams. Uh, Why don't you come to the dark side? You know, we can, uh, you know, I could tell you how to save people's lives. Oh, okay. And he believes it because his mom died. 
who he hasn't seen in forever. I mean, granted, the guy's had a fucked up life, but it really... He's had some fucked up moments. His life seems to be fairly fucking like decent. Yeah, I don't he understand seems to be it. Well, well regarded in the community. He's got a hot girlfriend. And once again, get back to the Obi Wan thing. He's now obviously the most powerful one in there. And he <laughs> just finds out at the end that she's pregnant, and she's clearly very pregnant. Oh, she has a fucking kid pregnant. within a day. Oh no, he I mean, knew. How, he knew before. He just didn't know that Anakin was the father. Yeah. Because he says to her, "Is the father's Anakin, isn't it?" And she says, right. "Yes." Who do you think it is? She hasn't doesn't have any other boyfriend. <laughs> who, who do they live together? I know. Who's well, constantly felt, with her? I feel like here's the thing that, that I feel about this. They like someone dies or something happens and all this kind of shit. And I was like, "Oh, I feel a disturbance in the force." You're telling me that when Jedi's are fucking, you're not like the dude comes you know, and you're not like, oh, "I feel a disturbance exactly. in the force." You know what I mean? Give me a break. You totally knew oh. that he was hitting something. Anakin nutted and, and Yoda's fucking breast started leaking milk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, right? He can't have that connection. And then suddenly, uh, but if it's like a, a sexual thing, no. Oh, please. Uh, yeah, there, granted, there is still the fact <laughs> is this that this is too Star deep? Wars. I mean, yeah, we just went, we, we, it's like the, the clerks thing about yeah. if Superman came and Lois. Um, yeah, this is a kid's show, right? Uh, the th- thing is that this is oh, basically Star Wars. This is uh, kiddies made for the level of a 16-year-old pops. Uh, and uh, I think that this is a, f- a little of a, a forgotten gem in the fact in the Star Wars universe in that it's really adult. That there's not a lot of young kids that are going to be interested in really episode two yeah. or three. Uh, and this one is particularly violent in a lot of ways that the other two weren't. Uh, I didn't think that it was necessary to show the the young kid get startled when he opened the lightsaber, but I think it's a nice touch in a lot mm-hmm. of ways uh, to show him being kind of like you have to know uh, what happens back. in that sense. Yeah. Um, but they, I mean, they could have, you know. I just think that kids are not going to be into episode three, young kids at all. So. Well, no, Who because when you first introduce, that's what I'm saying. This is a big problem with the way that they've set up the arc here, right? When you first introduce Anakin, he's a kid. He's good. He's kids. nice. That's the most kiddie he's, movie he's of the un- three. Yeah, but there's nothing bad about him. Nothing at all in any way whatsoever. He is the hero, right? In episode two, suddenly he's a piece of shit. Not because of anything external necessarily, but just because he's a psychopath, right? The guy's fucking crazy. And once you do that, uh, I don't know. He becomes irredeemable once he revenges his mother, really. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the moment and it's it's an insane moment because Padme's like oh it's okay well I get it it's like really, really and then that somehow just permeates into all of episode three it's just too much you know these characters were not thought out well enough I, th- I think that they could we could have done a lot better than what we wound up with which is unfortunate I do think that the the funeral procession at the very end of this movie is nicely handled uh-huh. With Padme, I, th- I wish the movie had more, uh, like the weight of that scene is the best way I can describe it. I wish the movie had more of that, mm-hmm. where it felt like there were real stakes and like, oh shit, like there's mourning going. It felt like a queen had died in one of the like gladiator type movies. How do you feel about uh, the scrolls? What do you mean? The, in the, the, the first scrolls. part of the movie? Yeah, for these, Wait, for the these compared, yeah, compared to... Uh, 
Because I can tell you after watching episode four, the the scrolls on these these prequels suck balls. <laughs> well, well, I like that the war, you know, the war is on or it's war. Yeah, I like opening with that moment. It felt very Flash Gordon to me or Serial. I do. Sure. Re- I haven't read the, the scrolls on like that, four, but... five, and six yet. But I do remember that these were very overly complicated in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah, I was by the time somewhat you confused read... by the time I was done with the, the essay. And I don't know if this is just, you know, from age group, from when we saw these or whatnot, but the, the reading the episode four scroll was like, oh, just puts the, the these three scrolls to shame. I was, what, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm or, in or right. I'm like, no, just this, like I'm in right now. I'm in. I'm already in just from reading the scroll. Yeah. You know, these ones, it's kind of like, yeah, all right, maybe. What do you got Because trade me? federations yeah. and separatists, no one gives a shit about well, that. that. It's, that's kind of an episode four scroll, but I, we'll talk about it, I guess, next time we talk about episode four. But I, I agree with you, but it, there's there's something more, than, there's something different about these that's different from any of the other uh, Can I tell trilogies. you what I think the major the major flaw is in, in mm-hmm. this is that four, five, and six were about people living under a regime, a human element. Sure. This is about the regimes. This is about a war between two regimes. And, that's and the, true. the human fallout from this, we don't even know. Like we don't fucking know. Like as far as you know, Palpatine takes over the world and kills everybody. But no, like people are living that's under super that kind true. of I mean, regime in, in four, when five, I, when and I think six about, is a human element. Uh, you say four, five, and six, but seven, eight, and nine is the exact same thing. And, and and planets, entire planets are destroyed in both of those other trilogies. And that doesn't happen here necessarily, right? There's, there's war, but we don't see any great aftermath the human of the element. war. Yeah, you're right. right. That like, is a like, huge like the difference. Refugee, the people growing up. So like, that to me is where I thought like, okay, this is like, 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 like I was trying to say, like the war itself is way more interesting than the buildup to the war, I thought, you know, which I consider four, five, and six, they're, you know, post-war and all that. Anyways, the human element gets lost in this because we don't see the toll it takes on any of the people on any of the fucking planets at all. The best way, as far as we know, this, this fucking guy is flipping burgers in a 50s diner in episode two and everything's <laughs> gravy, you know? It's like, yeah. so... Hmm. It just, I got that realization as I was watching this. So I think that's the major tonal difference in these in, in, from like a point of view sorry, side. I don't know. Or I'm just eating way too many edibles and watching Star Wars. <laughs> and I, can't, I can't decide which one. <laughs> it is the quarantine though. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting, it's an interesting year, uh, 2005. And, and really the mid 2000s, you had, as we said, this uh, King Kong, you know, Nolan's Batman trilogy is gearing up, mm-hmm. um, which would influence everything afterwards. Yeah, we right? talk about influential. I mean, so that is it's just interesting. The Star most... Wars, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the uh, Lord of the Rings, Batman, and and Star Wars. Star Wars would influence the least. That well, tells you something also, about these me, movies. <laughs> fairly. Uh, and the cycle of things was getting so fast. We talked about how in 99, when Phantom Menace came out, I thought that it was overshadowed by the ingenuity of The Matrix and how cool and clever that was. We thought that the sci-fi movie of the year was going to be episode one. It turned out to be Matrix. Well, shit, by the time you get to 2005, where part three comes out, audiences are already done with The Matrix. We've had three of those and everybody's, you know, kind of blasé about that yeah, now. So <laughs> the circle of these things is it goes so quickly that it is kind of interesting that Star Wars has uh-huh. stayed the course for this many years and found deviations. People love these deviations for the it's most true. part. 
Well, it's a it's a universe, you know. I, it, Lucas did a great job building a world, you know, and, and toy sales, obviously, ancillary uh, stuff really helped that that you didn't see, you don't see, and you really can't do with something like The Matrix, to be honest with you. Not in the way that you can do with Star Wars, where you can have those kid stories and then you can have those adult stories. And uh, so the kids can watch the, the cartoon versions of these and the adults can watch Mandalorian. And so can the kids later on or, or right now. You know, there's nothing in the adult ones. There's nothing horrible that the kids couldn't watch, but they just probably, as you said, aren't that interested in, in those types of stories. Too talky, most likely. Yeah, a little too talky. Right, and they take... A, they they do things differently than the kids ones. I don't, they they don't define bad and good necessarily very well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. I, I don't. I like for entertaining TV or movies. That's great for character building. Not great for cartoons. Right, but that's you not know. So, so good with the kids. Like we were talking with this. You look at the the beginning of this. You have Anakin as a little kid, as a good guy. He's the hero. Episode two and three. It's wishy-washy, right? He's not a hero. In one scene, he does something horrible, and the next scene, uh, no, since nobody else knows about it, he can just act like he's all good. You know, To a kid, I don't know how that would play necessarily, or if they would even be, depending on age, if they would be so interested in watching that. You know, They're probably more interested in you know, the white hat, black hat type, good guy, bad guy uh, mm-hmm. setup. The, the, you you would probably see more in the kids stuff, I would imagine. I haven't seen the, Jedi's are good, the other stuff. Bad yeah, stuff. you know, you yeah. know who's who. You get the toys, you know, and you know, there's there's a there's a way you play with the toys, right? Because that's <laughs> that's who the Damn characters right. are. It's true. <laughs> you well, don't my buddy is he's a, my buddy's a Star Wars nerd. I mean, his really since we were kids, they kept up on all the. The books. I mean, he'll tell me, "Oh man, I really, I just read this really shitty Star Wars book," and I'm like, "You're still reading that fucking stuff?" I mean, Jesus Christ, no, this stuff's <laughs> canon and this stuff's legend and this stuff is blah 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 blah. But he tells me that this last season of Clone Wars was fantastic and it really ended well. And I'm like, Jesus, that thing's still on? Because yeah, they're wrapping up season seven. But there's you been get the there's first been couple iterations seasons. of it, right? Hasn't there been like I, three different shit, I have no uh, idea. three different Clone Wars shows or something at this point? No Pretty idea. Sure. That's like asking how many Star Trek shows there are. I mean, fuck. It's That's what I mean. It was, some, it was, some, but it was something like that, right? It would. They were. It's been on for so long in some sense because it's. It's not one long show. It's a couple different shows that are about the Clone Wars, which is insane to me that. The Clone Wars would be that interesting at all. I and mean, what's insane to me is that he tells me I got to get past the first couple seasons, and then it gets really good. And it reminded me of this tweet I read from Gary Weeks, the screenwriter, uh, mm-hmm. guy who wrote Book of Eli. And it was a great, great tweet. And it said, producers will tell you all the time that you got to grab people in your first 10 pages of your script. And people will tell you all the time you got to give a show a couple seasons before it gets good. And he's like, what the <laughs> fuck is it? You know, like it's true with movies. You got to grab them right yeah. away with a show. You could, oh, it doesn't get good for like the first two seasons. I don't got 50 hours to give away before that happens. But yeah, that was very clever. Are you happy we went back and watched this in closing? Are you satisfied? Yeah, I'm with, glad. With I enjoyed again? it, um, even though I complain about it. Um, I do enjoy these. I like Star Wars as a world. Um, and that's why I would have so much to complain about it. Uh, but And then um, continue to hurt myself by rewatching them all, you know? <laughs> 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 Which is true. I, I, I do. Uh, I'll probably continue rewatching some of the other ones. I already saw the, the Han Solo one pretty recently again but i wouldn't mind revisiting rogue one again yeah i'd after like to all as this well is done, you know 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I know we, we talked about for the podcast, we're just going to do uh, the nine that are the essential trilogy. But I think on a personal note, I'm going to go back and revisit Rogue One as well, because that was the one I had the most complicated feelings towards. I have yeah. the biggest love-hate relationship with that uh, movie. So I'd like to, and I was a fan of Solo, and I know you weren't. So I'm curious to see if you it's softened still, your okay, stance I, on that. Yeah, I have. Well, yeah, no, I, I thought. it's a, it's not a good movie, but I enjoy it. You know, it's it's fine. Yeah. I think once you get over the initial shock of that something did not live up to expectations, uh, you're okay with it as long as it lives in the world and it kind of holds up the world and stuff, if that makes sense. Like, I can let yeah. a lot of the stuff slide by on a second watch or a third watch. You know, if you know what you're in for, then it's fine. And that's how I feel about Solo. It's not a bad movie uh, in the sense that it's it's hard to watch. It's easy to watch. Well, it's Ron Howard. He's a proficient filmmaker. Yeah. He's going to make something that's that's you know it's easy, to, easy watch. to watch. I just wish that it was better. <laughs> that's fair <laughs> if enough. That makes you sense, know. you know. And that's the way I felt about Rogue Run, or uh, uh, really about most of the Star Wars movies. Is that's the way that that I felt. I just it's it's like it's like fuck, you know. Why did you make that choice? Why did you make that decision? If you'd only done something something else here, this movie would be a million times better. It's depressing when you were anticipating a movie, no matter what it is, and you get about an hour in and you go, this is the story they're telling. You know, like you have that realization, like out of all the the ways they, regardless of what it is, whether it be uh, Matrix or Rocky or, you know, whatever it is, although I've never had that problem with the Rocky movies. I want to clarify that. Um, (laughs) But whatever it may be, it happens a lot though, where you're like, fuck, this is the story that they chose to tell here. And I'm stuck with it. Like for Batman versus Superman is a great example of that. Um, you know, the underlying yeah. fucking storyline. You're like, this is it's so true. not. I mean, you're sold on the idea, though. You know, Batman versus Superman. The I'm concept, sold on it. Star yeah. Wars. Any Star Wars. I'm sold on it. Yeah. Like, I want to see it. But I agree with you. You get into some of those movies, and it's like, damn. I think a great way to sum that up is when Kevin Smith saw Return or Superman Returns, and he's in the base plot line of that. He goes, you know, another real estate scheme by Lex Luthor after all this time he's still trying to do a fucking real estate scheme and you realize that Superman Returns is basically all about a real estate scheme and that's just lazy screenwriting to me yeah it's just a land grab fucking lazy screenwriting and that's you know a lot of stuff going on for lazy screenwriting and screenwriting by committee and uh, there there probably is something to be said about the fact that Lucas had the kind of power to get uh, the first three and then these last three pushed through with Mm -hmm. really no studio help he financed all these things, those re-releases in 97, were to uh, get money towards these new releases, or these new films. And uh, 20th Century Fox, what they've distributed them, but they didn't have any say in running time or script approval or any of that shit. Now, well, yeah, the last three make are all anyways. committee. But oh, compared to how sure. much committee-driven stuff is happening on these last three, mm-hmm. and... Um, and I can't say that they're any better or worse because of it. So it's a really strange. They, I still don't think they crack the nut on the good Star Wars story outside of the original trilogy. Well, we don't have. I mean, as we've often said on this podcast, uh, we're lacking auteurs at this point, right? We don't. We don't have strong central uh, artists anymore, especially in film. Uh, they just they don't exist, and they don't exist in music either. You know, to be to be honest. Um, uh, at least not in the sense of the person performing is the one that's saying what should happen. Right. Um, and so I wish we had directors who, uh, I guess could back up their, their directing. I don't know. 
There are certain well, directors. You say. can't say that there's not. The problem is they're names that Where are, are usually ridiculed. I will say that the sh- people that a movie you can watch and go, that's their movie. Michael Bay is one of those Where people. Where is Michael Bay? He's doing Netflix shit right now. He'll be back in a minute. He's not doing anything. Uh, you know? <laughs> These people, they're, they're being uh, I would systematically say pushed, out this, pushed out, right? They're aging out in a weird way. I hate to they're say aging it like that, out, but it seems like out. I don't believe it seems like a directing career is about ten right years. Now. Right? We have a there's a clear uh, grasp of power from the business side, and the artistic side is not seeing what it needs. You need to be able to let people uh, make choices, right, and, and be able to make uh, uh, take some risks. That's been the argument though since 1980. Is that every you know where we, we've gone away from the film school generation, we're into the commercial generation. Uh, everything looks the same. Everything's cut. But that too hasn't fast. been true though until now. I mean, that's I think a good argument 90s, to have made, sure. But it, even in the 90s, it wasn't true. I, I don't think 90s, it was true. I think if I you look back at the 90s, it was not true. Because look at the writers. Uh, look at the payment uh, spike that they saw to writers. You know, it was not true in the 90s. It's, I, it's I been true for uh, quite some. time time uh now it slowly died off in the 2000s and in, in the 2010s it's been horrendous yeah since the marvel uptick people have tried to copy that to the point of uh nauseam and that the reason we've gotten really shallow fucking experiences out of that well two reasons i think i mean i know we're really off star wars topic here but one avatar <laughs> made so much money we got so much shitty 3d movies after that and everything they just thought throw it out there and throw 3d on it will make some money so we got shit there we had a writer strike a couple of them over the yeah. last couple of years that they just pushed through everything they could in 2009 was horrendous for that if you go back and look at those movies and in three they're just biting off of the Marvel money machine. They're trying to this world building shit. I mean, let's just make a good movie. And it reminds me of when mm. we were in film school and somebody yeah. talked about their proposed outline and they said, well, it's really a trilogy. And our teacher told the guy, you don't have enough for one that movie. Was, How the fuck that, are you going to make three movies? That was thanks to Lord of the Rings. This is That's yeah. what Lord of the Rings brought forward. <laughs> yeah, that when we were in film school, everybody's the, idea was be, a trilogy. Yeah, it must be trilogy. You must And you must preconceive trilogy, not, not just make one and then maybe it'll turn into a trilogy <laughs> well we had a lot of that because we had the matrix we had pirates of the caribbean we had a lot of shit right. that was getting the to trilogy fair, treatment at the star time. wars uh, really but yes right it just kept yeah. building after that and and i think that the apex was lord of the rings lord of the rings once those came out everything was a goddamn trilogy you're right yeah you everything it, that was about as world building as they got now it's not like a nine-part series or 18 fucking installments <laughs> but they thought three was about as far as you were going to push it and in a lot of ways, it was. If you see that Pirates yeah. died out after that, uh, they got new director and blood yeah, on Pirates. that. They Spider Man. I mean, they, they got Potter rid of Raimi. That situation, but oh, I forgot about those. Um, yeah, those I mean, were obviously that. You know, you had the Twilight. So you had a lot of the books that were already built up that were being created in the movies then too. Yeah, you're right. But those probably got greenlit because they had plenty of shit to make after the first one. <laughs> Yeah, how much more could we do if this does well? You know, one of those kind of mentalities, and we saw that trash and burn for a number of properties as well, like the host and the fifth wave and things like that that came. So even the divergent, the the yeah, fairly well started, but yeah, or the Maze Runner, which limped to its conclusion. You know, so that that kind of look how many different eras and fads that have come and gone, and yet Star Wars is still percolating and to be fair yeah. so is rocky i will say that rocky and star wars are the only two movies that came out in the 70s franchises that are still vibrant today 
Those are the only two. I cannot think mm-hmm. of anything else that came out during that era. I mean, can you imagine having a fucking Smokey and the uh, Bandit type movie out today? That came out in 77. I mean, James Bond would be something that, Okay, that's James lasted. Bond. Yeah. No, you're right. James Bond. That, that's, that's fair. I'm not, I'm not disproving you. I'm just saying. (laughs) No, but I'm just saying like as a franchise, those three, because I can't think of anything. I mean, maybe alien that that could be, could be argued. Alien. That's come to an end. (laughs) Yeah. An unmagnanimous end on top of it. But yeah, I've been racking my brain trying to think of anything else from that era. That's still, uh, in the, the popular zeitgeist that I can't think of it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's going to wrap up our episode on episode three. Join us next time as we look at episode four, A New Hope, a movie that I'm anxious to get back into and check out. And we're going to continue our march through the Star Wars films until episode nine. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage!